0: We all have our journeys, some long, some short, some harrowing, and some easy. What kinds of songs does God think we need for our journeys? For hope, for trouble, or for joy? Join us as we learn to sing God's songs from the Psalms. The tallest mountain I can remember being on is a mountain in North Carolina called Mount Mitchell. I believe it's the tallest mountain east of the Mississippi. I uh, went up there when I was in high school. We were on a family vacation, and I remember like you get to you like drive up, and then after a certain point, you've got to hike or walk the rest of the way. And what's so surprising is, especially for me who grew up in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Like you, you think of the woods and you think of um, mountains as very wooded, but with Mount Mitchell, you get to this point, and the rest of the hike is almost like you're back in a desert. Like there's really, it's just kind of scrub around. There, you don't really see a whole lot when you get to when you climb to the rest of the way and get to that top of the mountain, and then you can see for miles and miles around. And I was thinking about that because oftentimes we talk about mountains and mountaintop experiences as if they're like um, like these glorious experiences. And there is something really special about being in such a high place. But Mount Mitchell, and I realized at that point, when you get up so high, you realize there's not a whole lot here. Those highest places are like desolate. Maybe you could say a wild place. When you think about the Himalayan mountains and the tallest mountains in the world, those are forbidden places, places where few, if anything, living things can live because the winds are so high and the temperatures are so cold. The tops of mountains can be really, really wild places. But there's also other kinds of wild places, places like deep, deep, deep down in valleys or deserts, wild places like swamps or bayous where there's alligators and snakes and other things hidden under the surface of the water so much of our world that we think we've figured out still ends up being wild there's things there we don't understand a lot of the time our normal lives end up dealing with other kinds of wild places it could be a relationship where you had high hopes and you thought this was on the right track and you thought you understood each other. And then maybe one of you changes or that maybe the truth comes to light and you discover we, we uh, maybe we're not as compatible as we thought. It could be that like a workplace becomes a wild place. It could be a school. It could be, it could just be our world. Becomes a wild place, forbidding, where we're unsure of where to go, what to do, how to get through this new wild place. What kind of songs does God have for us? Those of us that are living in wild places, what kind of songs would God have us to sing? If we if we live in those wild places places. Right now we're in a series called Songs for the Journey. From Psalm 120 on, those are these are songs meant for the the pilgrims to sing on their way to Jerusalem. And we're coming to them and saying, "God, what kind of songs do you want us to sing? God, what do you want for us to sing?" And so today we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 120. Psalm 120. Psalm 120 says, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you? And what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell, live among the tents of Kidar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war today today, as we walk through this song let's let's look to see what does God have to say for us to us. Let's pray. God, help us to hear your voice. Help us to begin to sing the songs that you have called us to sing in Jesus name. Amen. Psalm one twenty is a a song for wild places. This is what I love is the song of ascents. Don't just, they're not just like feel good. Oh, happy. God is glorious. Everything's great. You know, we're just marching forward and everything's great. This is actually like, so for our pilgrims, for people on a journey, God knows that a lot of us come from wild places. And I want to show you today four parts to sing, four parts of this song to sing from wild places, four parts of this song to sing from wild places. Verse one tells us to look back on God's grace. When we are singing this psalm, we are called to look back on God's grace. Verse one, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. This, This is pointing to this pattern of this is what has been my normal experience. I've called on God before and he's answered me. I've called on God before and he answers me. I know that when I'm in a wild place, I'm going to remind myself of those places I've been before when God answered me from a wild place. This, it's this, this pattern that we're invited into is from distress to call on God and then look for God's answer. And so the normal Christian life that we learn right here looks backward. Normal Christian life looks back on God's grace, looks looks back on what, how God has answered the past, and, and like banks on that fact, reminds us of that fact. That's the, that's the pattern that we see in the Old Testament. That's why God gave Passover to the people of Israel and called them to celebrate it every year. You see, Passover was the 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 actual Passover was the 10th plague that God sent against Egypt. And he told the people of Israel to paint blood on the doorposts of a lamb. And then the, the angel of death passed over those houses and instead just went to the houses of the of the Egyptians. But then that became a memorial to them year after year to celebrate this and remind them. We once needed God's deliverance from Egypt and He answered us. The normal Christian life looks backward and says, God has answered me in the past. This is this is how God treats me when I'm in distress. And so it is it is right for you and I to recount to ourselves and to our families, to our friends, God's answers. Gosh, God, how have you provided? Oh, remember how God provided when we had that bill we couldn't pay. Remember how God provided when we were our backs were up against the wall. Remember how God cared for us when we had nowhere to go. When we had no roof over our head, God sent us so-and-so. God sent us this. Like the, the call in Christianity, the call of God in this psalm is to say, remember when we needed comfort and God comforted us. Remember when God has done that. That is the first part of this song that we sing. We begin, we, we, we begin by looking back on God's grace. Then verse 2 tells us, what's the next part? We call for more grace. Verse 2, save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. So he starts out in wild places, in distress. And then this movement comes to, so I'm going to ask for more grace. I once, was, I once was lost. I once was overwhelmed and God answered me, so... I'm going to actually ask for more. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. The proper response to God's grace is not gratitude. It's actually need. It's actually more grace is the proper response. That's, that's actually the proper response God gives to us. And so we say, hey, God, give us more. There's this future orientation. We don't just go, oh man, remember how God has provided for us. That was great. Now let's do this on our own. Remember how God has provided for us. Let's bank everything on him again. Let's ask for more help again. That's the proper response. This future orientation of God, I have been needy and you have provided. And so I am going to continue to be needy and continue to ask. That is. This is a promise for a new situation that God delights in people who are in distress and in wild places calling to him for salvation. And it's so interesting that it's not just like, save me from wild beasts, save me from poverty. God, save me from, from being overwhelmed from bankruptcy, which those are problems that we may face and that are very difficult. But he says, save me from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. God, it is overwhelming when people are against me and my reputation is shattered. Can you save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues? I've never been to a Brazilian steakhouse. Honestly, I'm not a huge steak eater. That's That's not really my thing. But I've heard people tell about just these glorious steakhouses. And the thing that they love about them is that servers walk around with platters of amazing food like throughout the whole meal, These, these amazing meats that they're just walking around with different kinds of prime rib and steak and, uh, types of pork and other kinds of meat. And the thing about a Brazilian steakhouse is they give you a card. When you go in there, one side is green and one side is red. And if you've had enough, you put the red card up, but if you want more, you put the green card up. So that the servers who are walking around with with new cuts, new things that have been cooked, they'll know. Oh, this guy has a he's got a green card. He wants more of this. He's ready for more. Or, but if you're like, hey, give me a chance to kind of eat what's on my plate. Give me a break for a second. Or wait, I'm totally done. Then you flip it over to red. Maybe you can see where I'm going with this. This psalm tells us that the normal Christian life is lived with the green card up. God, we need more. God, we need more. We need more grace. We we can't handle this on our own. God, will you give me more? Like the green and red sides of that same card, instead of saying, "God, I've had enough. I don't need more of your grace. Let me do this on my own." The 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 normal Christian life from Psalm one twenty is to say, "Green cards up, God. I need you. God, I need more." This is God's idea. This isn't Joe's idea. This isn't this isn't man's idea. Oh well, we should ask God. God is like, I want more. I want to give you more ask for more. So will we do that? Will we take God at his word and say, God, I'm bankrupt. God, I'm at my limit. God, I am overwhelmed. Can you save me? I'm going to keep calling for more of your grace. The third way, the third part we sing in this song from wild places is that we call for more grace when people lie, this is this is what, those words are so incredibly important. He says, save me from lying lips and deceitful tongues. What will he do to you and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Man, lips and words are so incredibly important in this psalm. The psalmist singing from a wild place of distress is incredibly distressed at the words of other people. Comparing them Comparing this, their punishment to a warrior's sharp arrows and burning coals, saying, we need justice. God, can you bring your arrows of justice on the heads of those that lie about us? God, can you bring judgment on those that are attacking us with their words? Man, we live in a world where there's even more words than it seems like ever before. Not only can we speak them with our words, not only can we make videos we can use them on social media. We can put them everywhere. And there can be so many overwhelming words used for you in your family, in your relationships, in your workplace, in the church, that we can feel overwhelmed. God, I am overwhelmed. God, and so this psalm says: man, call for more grace from for, for people's words. Don't just act like that's something we've got to bear on our own. God, we need your justice. We need your deliverance. This passage gives us this promise that God will judge deceit. God will judge lying. These things that can be so troublesome and so overwhelming, God will judge and so call for more grace from people's words. The call to us is to, to say, God, I'm going to put that in your hands, not in my own. God, I'm actually going to call for your deliverance, not trying to settle for my own grasping at my deliverance. I'm reminded of uh, times where my kids get into the middle of a fight. Somebody has misbehaved and what What's both frustrating and very funny to me is the moment when one child's overreaction to somebody's misbehavior means that I have to deal with the overreaction, not with the issue at hand. When I was a kid, this was always the case. I was was the kid that would blow up when when somebody did something to me. But my reaction was so over the top that my parents were like, if you would calm down, I'll deal with the actual issue. And I was like, deal with the actual issue. Don't deal with me. I feel like sometimes we would come to God like that. We're like, we're like, God, fix this issue. And he's like, can you slow down? Because this is my issue, not your issue. This is my issue. Let me handle justice in this matter, not you. Can we begin to say, God, I need your grace. I need you. I need you to undo the lies. I need you to stop and bring justice to defend me. So the the call to us is to say is to call out to God in that place when words hurt so badly and the relationships get shattered by lies. What are we going to do? God, can you give me justice? Can you defend me? I'll be honest, this is a really hard one. This is a really hard one because sometimes the loud voices are the ones that lie. And it's like, God, where's your voice? Why are you not speaking? Why are you not delivering me from this kind of thing? But Psalm 120, which understands the fact that we go into those places, says to call out to God when nobody respects truth and when we feel no justice. Can we do that? Can we sing that from that wild place of deceit and lies? The fourth way that we sing from wild places, this song from wild places, is we call for more grace when people are hostile. We call for more grace when people are hostile. Verse five, woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. The psalmist says, I want peace. I want, I want the, my world to be right. I want my relationships to be right. I want the people in my life to be in right relationship with me. But this wild place is so incredibly hard because they're for war. He names a couple of places saying, I'm like dwelling in a land of war. Meshach and Like I'm dwelling in a place where everybody else just wants to fight. And I just want peace. And I don't know how to get there. They are for war. I am for peace. I'm living in the wild places. So the psalmist is calling us to sing on our journey upward, on our journey with Jesus, on that journey to say, God, people are hostile. I'm for peace, but I'm going to have to have your help because I'm living in a land of war. It's so easy for us to get up in arms about things that are happening in our lives, in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our hobbies, in our culture, in our politics, in our elections, in our power systems, in all of those things, to be up in arms. The Christian response in the middle of all that is to say, we are for peace. Everyone around us is for war. God, can you give us grace can you give us grace to navigate this moment instead of just becoming combatants in the same war as everybody else? In this relationship that's devolving in war, God, can you give me the grace to be at peace? God, can you give me the grace to be at peace? So this, this call is to call for more grace in wild places, call for more grace in distress. This is the normal Christian life that we will find ourselves in distress and God wants to hear us call to him. Where's the good news for you and for me? I told you earlier, some of this is so hard for me. When we go through wild places, distress and lies and deceit and war and broken relationships, how can this passage become good news for you and for me? How does this become good news for you and for me? This this becomes good news for you and for me because Jesus is the one who did not need grace. Grace and yet took on the punishment that you and I deserve. Jesus did not need grace but took our distress, being suffocated by the punishment for our sin on the cross. Jesus is the one who was lied about and said, "Father, forgive them for they don't know, for they know not what they're doing." And now it's now you and I's record. We're not just called to be like Jesus, we're called to actually stand in that record and know that God looks at us and says, "Oh, they can handle this." They've done this right. I'm so excited. We can know that Jesus is the one who called on his father and for three days heard silence so that you and I never have to hear silence because of our own sin. If you have questions about that, how can this be for me? Joe, how can, how can I know that God will listen to me? If I called to him, the story of the Bible says that you and I and everybody else in the human race was made as the image of God to live in relationship to God and shepherding and stewarding the world for him. But instead of living in that relationship, you and I and everyone after us and everyone around us has rejected God and said, no, we, you will not be king over us. We're going to set our own rules and do our own thing. The Bible calls that sin, and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, physical death, but spiritual death separates us from God forever in hell. And and so we find ourselves in a wild place that we am asked to go into, but instead of leaving us there, the Bible says that Jesus came and lived the life that we should live and died the death that we should die so that all who trust in Christ repenting of sin, saying, I'm going to give up that old way of life, that old relationship that I I didn't want to have with God. And said, I'll take Jesus, who lived the life I should live and died the death that I should die. And I can know that God will answer my prayers because he looks at me and he sees Jesus. And then he comes to dwell inside me, live inside me, so that I have the power to navigate this journey with his help, with his record, and with his songs. If you have questions about that please reach out to me. And I want you to then imagine what difference that kind of that kind of thing makes. We're invited to sing this song from wild places. We're invited to sing this song from wild places. And we can then sing it and know that there's nothing out there that's going to overwhelm God's promise of more grace to us, then that helps us have the kind of strength on the inside to go through those wild places. When our marriage gets really hard, when our relationship with our kids gets really tough, when work is incredibly difficult, and when the lies are overwhelming, we have a song to sing knowing that God gives more grace to those who ask for it. We can sing it with confidence and we are prepared for those wild places. That makes all the difference. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your promise to give more grace. We thank you for the past times that you have answered and that you have cared for us. And we thank you ultimately that you answered our cry for grace before we ever made it in Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.